0: Welcome to the Maximum Mom podcast. I'm so excited that you're here with us today. Today, I am here with attorney Gina Belil. Did I say that right? You did. Oh, good. Okay. And Gina is, I'm going to tell you all great things. Her area of practice includes plaintiff's personal injury, New York no fault in uninsured motorist loss, subrogation, medical and auto insurance coverage disputes. She is a New York attorney. And she's been formally associated with Auto One Insurance as Managing Counselor Travelers Insurance. And she was responsible for the management and organization of the New York No Fault case handling structure that serves as the template for the defense of first party claims. Welcome. And I'm so glad you joined us today.
1: Thank you so much, Elise. I'm so happy to be here.
0: Yeah, well, I just, we have so much to dig into. So (laughs) I'm just going to start really quick. I always like to just get it out there. Tell us about your family, like who makes you a mom? You know, what does it look like at home
1: or in your empty nest situation. Tell us about, about (laughs) that's exactly what it is. Things are a lot calmer over the past year and a half now. So Elena Joy makes me a mom. She is 19 years old. She's currently a sophomore at Cornell University studying chemical engineering and she blows my mind every day. She really does. So yeah, she's an only child which brings with a lot of uh, interesting stories. And uh, you know, the rest of my family is my husband, Paul who just became associated with my law firm. Sooner or later, he will become a partner. Yeah, very soon, actually. So uh, my practice is growing. My family is kind of breaking apart a little bit in different directions, but the practice is growing, which is really good.
0: Now, that's awesome. Is your husband an attorney as well, or what does that look like? Oh,
1: yeah. He's an attorney. Yeah. We met in law school, and he graduated a year behind me. That is awesome. I love that. (laughs) Well, we'll have to do a whole nother podcast on that. Because <laughs> sure. I think,
0: yeah, that's so fascinating. Well, first I want to dig in just because, I mean, you know, you and I know each other. We see each other on social media and I have been watching your journey as you have been doing the sandwich generation. I mean, you are right there you know, ham and cheese in the middle, moving your mom, dealing with your daughter, who is always oh, yeah. doing amazing things. Talk to us a little bit about what that has been like, how you've been navigating it. What are the great sure.
1: things about it that you see? What are the, some of the pitfalls? Sure. So, you know, I, I opened my doors as a solo attorney 15 years ago. I'm actually, I j- just celebrated 15 years in September. Yeah. And, um, Pretty much from the, from the start, I was in the sandwich generation. 15 years ago, my parents were actually living under the same roof as we were and helping take care of Elena while I was starting the practice, which was so, so helpful. But even back then, I was seeing issues with my dad. You know, he was starting to, and I don't want to go up on too much of a tangent, but he was starting to become withdrawn, starting to stay up in a, in a darkened room, watching TV, very unlike him. He was starting to ask for directions to local stores just to make sure, you know, and he was always trying to compensate for that, just saying, well, I just want to make sure that I'm doing it right. Let's fast forward a couple of years. It turned out that he was in the beginnings of Alzheimer's dementia. So about 10 years ago, my parents... Ended up moving to Florida. My mom had finally retired. My dad was, you know, dealing with what he was dealing with. And they just thought it was best for them, you know, to be in a community. They were in the villages. Very easy for me to get to. And let me just go back. When I started my practice, I wanted to be as virtual as possible. And we're talking 15 years ago. Yeah, And attorneys on Long Island were looking at me, especially the personal injury attorneys, giving me a lot of side eyes saying, What? You're not going to have a brick and mortar practice. What are you talking about? And I said, no, I'm going to do things completely differently. And when I first started, I actually built my business model around my daughter because she was three years old. And I knew that I wanted to see her as much as possible, you know, get her on the bus, take her off the bus, be as involved in school activities as, as I could. I mean, I'm not really a school activity kind of person. But as much as I could, I went to her volleyball games. I I went to all the little holiday parties, things like that. Well, that plan actually did me very well going forward because I was actually able to just pack up my laptop and take my office with me to Florida whenever I was needed. And it started becoming that I was needed more and more for longer periods of time. So, you know, I sent a scan snap down to my parents. I sent a printer down to my parents. I basically had a little office down there working on my New York cases. And there were times when my mom needed me because she was having you know surgery for one reason or another. And it was it was a prolonged hospital stay or my mom needed me to take care of my dad. Fast forward a little bit more. My dad did end up breaking his hip, basically. And my mom was out on your side of the country, actually taking care of my sister with a different medical emergency. And so I had to take care of my dad in the hospital he was going toward, you know, middle phase of dementia at that point. Okay. Middle phases of Alzheimer's, and um, that was a huge challenge for me. But in between all that and during all of that, I was, you know, thank goodness for the technology because I was able to FaceTime with my kid. And able to, you know, she wanted a recipe for chili and she was going to make it with dad. And I was able to pull myself out of the, you know, the hospital room and talk to them about making a pot of chili or making, you know, helping them make something or other that, that you know, cookies or whatever that she wanted to do. So I knew that at least with technology and with the way I set my practice up, that I was able to kind of be where I was needed at any given time. And it was seamless, absolutely seamless. And really, my daughter, she was a big inspiration to me. I know it sounds crazy, but because she was of that younger generation, that Gen Z generation, I was able to learn from her and her generation that these kids and these, you know, the younger generations don't need to be face to face with me in an office. They just don't need it. A lot of times I'm on FaceTime or WhatsApp or what else are people using? I don't even know, but the, you know everybody's using these the Zoom, whatever it is, and it works. It works. They don't need to be in my office, and if they do, I you know I'm able to meet with them in an office or in their homes, however they want to be comfortable meeting me. That's amazing.
0: I mean, because you <laughs> really were out there. I mean, as a pioneer in this virtual world. I mean, I know you probably too. I mean, look to Carolyn you know, LFO, oh, yeah. somebody who really just charted the way for how do you become an attorney kind of on your own terms as you're dealing with all your family stuff. And I too started a virtual firm not 15 years ago, but seven years ago, same mm-hmm. thing, you know, a lot of side eye where people are just like, what does that even mean? And I'm like, right. well, it means that I need to Be able to go help my mom on a moment's notice. I need to be able to be at a football field and, you know, be the football mom for, you know, one of three sons who are playing football or be at a swim meet for the girl, you know, whatever it meant. Like it didn't mean I could sit in an office every day from 8 a.m. till 6 p.m. That just wasn't
1: my life. At all. Exactly, exactly. And what was really inspiring was that I saw other attorneys bringing their kids to court with them. Even when I was a baby attorney in Brooklyn, New York, in Kings County Courthouse, and attorneys would bring their kids when their kids were off from school. So I knew that the courts, at least in New York, I don't know about anywhere else, but they accepted kids in the courtroom. And It was great because there was there's one particular judge, he's now retired, who would allow her to come up with me on appearances. His kids were also adopted. So he had an affinity for my daughter and he would ask her questions. It was really adorable. Yeah, that's amazing. (laughs) What
0: I mean, that I, I don't hear about that as much. I mean, the fact that the courts have been open to that some, I think, is so important. I mean, I have long thought that courts would do themselves a real favor if they provided childcare on site for not only attorneys, but I mean, for the client, you know, the people, jurors. I mean, I think of all kinds of things. Courts could make themselves so much more user friendly. You know, obviously, I think Zoom is the most user friendly by yes. allowing <laughs> us to do things, you know, online. And I mean, we use Zoom a ton for courts, you know, out here in the Seattle area. We have Mm -hmm. a county named King County, so very similar. And they are all, you know, on Zoom. And it just makes it so much easier for people and such access to justice. So people aren't waiting. I mean, I just love when somebody can do a hearing and a 10 minute hearing, they're actually getting billed for a 10 minute hearing, not for the commute, the sitting there for an hour waiting, the commute home. I mean, I'm always like, this is insanity. So yeah. I love Zoom and
1: I think it offers so many opportunities for people. Absolutely. I just, uh, last week I I handled an arbitration. Most of the arbitrations now are through Zoom or mm-hmm. Teams. And, uh, you know, my client had moved down to Florida. So, you know, my clients could go anywhere they want and, you know, I, I can still handle their cases for them. And, it's a New York accident. So I'm able to, you know, nice. to see it through the whole, the whole way, even if they move out of state, it, it just works so, so efficiently. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, COVID was, is horrible. It's, uh, you know, I just got over a case myself and, but there were some silver linings, especially when it comes to access to justice. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting. I'm
0: curious, you know, I would love to hear what your take is. I mean, your daughter is somebody, I mean, from afar, I just get to watch her just succeed. I mean, amazingly, I mean, this is one accomplished young lady. What does she say or think about how you juggled your work? You know, did she, she had to have witnessed a lot of the real juggling you had to do deciding like, Am I going to fly to Florida and help mom with this thing? Maybe miss something of your daughter's inevitably, you know, things come up. How did you all deal with that? And how do you think that has played out at all
1: in her life? Have you all ever talked about that? You know, we never had a, a family sit down about it. I can tell you that Elena, even from the time she was two, she was an adult. I could have very adult conversations with this little kid and it, it was like speaking to a 20 year old and she's always been that old soul. I, I, that's the only way I can describe it. Um, and there would be times where, you know, I'd have to drop everything. This, even this past July, I had to fly down to Florida. My mom had a medical emergency. I had to fly down there and I had to be there for at least four weeks. And I was really upset because my daughter was home for the summer And I knew I was going to miss all that time with her. And I got visibly upset in front of her. And I was like, "I, I am so sorry. I have to miss you again. And she said, mom, don't worry about it. Go where you're needed. We have FaceTime. We have Zoom. We will talk to each other. Mom, you text me every day, every hour. You send me funny memes. We're always in communication. It's like you haven't left. And that's always been the way it I've worked things out, uh, you know when we were in college, we got dropped off we never saw we never spoke to our parents. I called my mom you know once a week, <laughs> maybe yeah. you know, especially in the very beginning and um again, technology with the way it is, I am always in touch with with Elena, so I never feel like I'm missing out, and yeah. she doesn't feel that way either, and if she does she has such a maturity about her that she's just able to take it and, and deal with it.
0: Yeah. Well, and I mean, you look at the modeling you're doing. I mean, there's some, I think real benefit in modeling, caring for the older generation and caring for our parents. And I mean, cause there's a lot of responsibility that comes with that, you know, caring. And I mean, I similarly to you went through that. I cared for two grandparents and then both my parents. And I mean you know, spent solidly 30 years doing caretaking, you know, for both generations ahead of me. And it has really shaped how my children, I think, see things and understand how important and also how much of a time commitment it is, you know, like, And it's made us as a family start thinking about, I mean, really for Doug and I, where do we want to live? Like, what should we be setting in place? Like, do we go buy a small place somewhere close by to some level of our kids? You know, we have six, so we kind of, you know, we can't be around everybody, but (laughs) trying to figure that out because you do think about those trips down where you're spending four weeks somewhere. And I mean... You know, you were lucky that you had the kind of work
1: that you made yes. for yourself that you could yeah, do was, that. Not all people can exactly. I was I was able to craft my my career, my life around taking care of my daughter and my parents, and That's I'm you, still doing it. I'm I'm yeah. still doing it. Yeah, I mean, I just as we were speaking before the, the the podcast, um, I just moved my mom back to from Florida to New York. She's 15 minutes away from me now because she wants to be closer to family. And right. I'm able to, you know, I'm able to say, okay, compartmentalize, I'm going to, I'm going to work from, you know, this to this hour to this hour, this morning, I'm going to go see mom. And then I'm going to come back and the Yankee game is on. I'm going to work during the Yankee game. No problem. So, you know, it, it's, it, it's better. It's better for me than jump having to jump on a plane, you know, when, when my mom needs me, although I didn't mind doing it, this is actually going to make life easier for both of us. Oh yeah.
0: I would think so. I would think so. I just think it is an amazing, I mean, testament to utilizing the technology and really thinking about how can you bring technology to bear in all areas, not only your law practice, but in your family. I mean, how do you hop on a FaceTime and help them cook a meal or, you know, really just realizing that it's that quality of contact, you know, in, The fact that you can feel so good because you're there caring for your mom when you needed to be, you're not stressed about that, but then you can also be there for, you know, your daughter when she needed you. I just, I love that. I mean, you have really taken, I mean, agency around your life in a way that's, Pretty powerful. I mean, I wish more people, you know, thought about that and how can they craft their lives so that it works for what they need. Because it's a lot I of easier. I just think to be it's content.
1: Yeah, I I think you know I, I consider myself lucky that I yeah. was in you know that I I was in this position. I mean, I was when I was working for Auto One, I could have never done what I did. Absolutely, I was I was managing counsel. I was you know I was working. 60 hours a week when I was, you know, I would be at the office and I'd be working at home. There's, I'd be exhausted. I have no energy to do anything else. So there's just no way that I would have been able to handle things the way I did. I would have had to say no to something and it would have devastated me. So, you know, I wish that more companies would be more flexible. You know, I don't know what it's like anymore. It's been 15 years since I worked for a corporation. I have no idea what the flexibility is anymore. I'm thinking that things have changed a little bit especially with, you know, in light of COVID, but I don't know. I have no idea. And I don't ever want to know. I don't want to go back there.
0: (laughs) No. And I think, I mean, we in our firm, that is something we just are crazy about is our flexibility. We just offer unfettered flexibility with the idea that the flip side of that is just the highest level of personal accountability, kind of like you did the maybe you're sending a scan snap, you know, to wherever you're going to be for four weeks and, you know, and you're setting up a little spot where you could do your work. I mean, that level of personal accountability, but I mean, to have that flexibility from, I mean, to me as a mom is, I mean, there's nothing else that compares to that as far as your ability to juggle your life, the way you want to juggle it. And, I call it life work integration. I don't think of it as balance at all. I think of it as just truly you're integrated. You have to be like, because I I know it has to be the same for you. Like any day somebody can call you and all of a sudden your entire day gets thrown out the window. Like now you're hopping on a plane and you're flying somewhere or you're, you know, at a hospital and you have to just be able to roll with it
1: yeah or or a new a new client will call and you know a potential client will call and i'm i'm in a nursing home i i can can you can you come see me absolutely i'm going to drop everything and i'm going to you know i will come see you tomorrow the next day whenever it is i have no problem doing that and you know i also have staff that is i also have a very flexible framework in my office so my paralegal her name is Jackie she lives and works in florida so yeah she's yep. she's in Florida. She's been there the whole time. She's never worked a day inside and you know my office. And it's funny because i'll I'll tell you how dedicated she is when there is when a hurricane comes her way and sh- say the power goes out, she will contact me and say, i'm running, I know you have this motion. I know i you know I, I know I have to do some work on it. I'm going to run to the home depot parking lot over the causeway. And, you know, so I can get wifi and I'm going to get this out and I'm going to get it over to you. I said, you sure. You know, I'll say, are you sure? She's like, I, I have to get out of my house. I want power. <laughs> Otherwise we're going to wow. sit here and, and, and be bored. But then again, she's a grandmother and she'll say to me, you know, it's, it's my grandkids school function. I said, have fun. I'll, I'll take over the phones. I have no problem with that. Right. And I have a, a, yep. I have an assistant who is closer in proximity And she has three children and I always tell her family first. So she is part-time, very flexible. And when her, when her kids have a school function or or a sports game, that's her priority. And we, we just are able to, to still get the work done.
0: Yeah. I think that's Mm -hmm. so important. I mean, it's such, there's just so much to integrate to make it all work. And I just, yeah, I think it's powerful. I love that you're really allowing that in, really encouraging it for your office. Cause that's just, I mean, we have to really put our money where our mouth is. Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? And really make those changes in our own small little microcosms, you know, to try to have bigger change.
1: It would, well, like, it would if- be nice to hear, I, it would be nice to hear the larger companies talk about that because, you know, you hear about this great resignation and I know you were going to go on to something else, but really quick, you hear about this great resignation, but if companies did these little, things and made these little changes, maybe you won't hear so much about the great resignation. People will be happier where they work. I don't know. I really believe that we as I don't know,
0: this is a bigger societal issue. I mean, I think we have to look at, you know, the idea of capitalism and how people put profits ahead of humans. And I really struggle with that. I mean, I am definitely a person that feels very strongly about, you know, making sure my people are compensated exceedingly fairly and that I am providing them a work environment that I would, you know, not only like, but I would thrive in and that, you know, and there's that just open communication too, to hear, I mean, what do they need? And, you know, ask things. I mean, we're very flexible about, like we're a billable hourly firm, but I mean, I don't set the billable hours for people. Everyone chooses their own billable hours and they tell me what do they wanna work? And then I tell them what I will pay them for that work. And then we flex all over the place. Like if they're having a cycle in life that maybe they need to go lower, they can go lower on their hours and we can go lower on the pay and we can adjust. And if they want to go higher, we can go higher. But it's, you know, an open dialogue around that, which I think is really important to allow for people because things change all the time.
1: Absolutely. Oh, I love that. I absolutely love it. Yeah, it's been great.
0: Running your own practice can be scary, whether you're worried about where the next case will come from, Feeling like you're losing control over your growing firm or frustrated from being out of touch with everyone working under your license, the stress can be overwhelming. We will show you how to turn that fear into a driving force of clarity, focus, stability, and confidence that eliminates the roller coaster of guilt-ridden second-guessing and mistake-making to get you off that hamster wheel
1: for good. Maximum Lawyer and Minimum Time is a step-by-step playbook that shows you how to identify what your firm needs and how to proactively get it at every stage of the game So you're prepped and excited for the inevitable growth that will follow name the lifestyle that you want and we'll show you how to become a maximum lawyer in minimum time find out more by going to maximumlawyer.com forward slash course i do want to
0: switch because i want to talk to you i know you went through your own personal ordeal a few years Mm -hmm. back talk to us a little bit about the accident you went through and I mean, what you've learned from that, because I mean, that was some real trauma you went through.
1: Yeah, yeah. That was 10, believe it or not, it was 10 years ago. Yeah, (laughs) time is flying. So I had just dropped my daughter off at camp and I was on my way to court and I was driving on the, if you know, all my Long Islanders out there, I was driving on the LIE service road north and um, I came to an intersection and. Now I know, uh, I I knew after the fact that I had the green light, I'm sure that I had the green light. And this other car went through a red light and hit me, T-boned me on my driver's side so hard that she flipped over the the hood of my car twice before landing on her roof on the other side of my car. Uh, My airbags went off, my car was destroyed. And at first I thought all the injury was to my shoulder, And uh, we were, you know, I was treating for my shoulder at first. And let me back up. It's interesting. And the reason why I say now I know I had the green light because, and and this gives me a very interesting perspective as to my clients, Yeah. where you may not remember exactly what happens right before an accident after the accident occurs Mm -hmm. because of all the trauma and all the stress that is going through your body. Luckily, I had three witnesses that were behind me that stopped, got out of their car, and assured me that I had the green light. And I just, I started crying because I, I was like, there's no way I had the red light, but I needed to make sure. And and this woman got out of her car. She started screaming at me, this was your fault. I said, wait, Whoa. First of all, I'm not speaking to you. I'm an, and I said to her, I'm an attorney. I'm not speaking to you. But she, you know, she had the thing, right. you know, the Long Island, you know, <laughs> the whole thing. and um, I, I didn't speak to her. I gave my statement to the police. The witnesses stayed and gave their statements to the police, which. It doesn't happen that often. It really doesn't. I I consider myself really lucky. Yes. Um, You know, when I when I interview potential clients, were there witnesses to the accident? Most of the time, the answer is no. Yeah. And especially with intersection accidents or uh, even head ons, it's really important to make sure that you have, you know, if if there are witnesses, you you get those names and you look at the police report, you look to see if the police officers took down any witness name and information. And I was very lucky. So I went to the hospital in an ambulance and, you know, my husband, I had to call him and tell him he had to go get Elena, no problem. Long story short, I ended up, pain travels as a a result of of trauma. And it's funny because when I first heard this, I'm like, what are you talking, pain travels? What are you talking about? Like I said, all the pain was here when I first started out. And within three to four months, all the pain was in my lower back. I said, okay, pain travels. It does. I understand what the doctors are telling me now. And I understand what my clients are telling me now. It turned out that I had a herniated disc in my back and I did have what's called radiculopathy down my lower left extremity, all the way down to my big toe. And my big toe would, I would get like pins and needles. It would burn. So I, I went through the whole gamut. I went through the MRI. I went through the EMG. Have you heard of an EMG? Oh yeah. It's nerve testing. Okay. So the needles are like this. <laughs> and, you know, when I worked for the insurance company, I'd say, oh, these people don't need EMGs. What, what are we doing here? It's This isn't medically necessary. It's BS. It's come on. Well, the EMG explained to my doctors where my nerve damage was, the extent of my nerve damage, the age of my nerve damage, it illustrated my injury. Right. And the doctor's you know, they said that I didn't need surgery, which was good. Eventually I might, but I didn't need surgery, but they wanted to try to alleviate some of the nerve damage, some of the symptoms from the nerve damage. So I did undergo three ESIs that's short for epidural steroid injections. Yeah. I insisted that I get them done under anesthesia because I've had clients who haven't had it done under twilight and they've told me nightmare stories. So I decided I needed to be put out. (laughs) I have no tolerance for pain. So I, I, I did undergo the ESIs, you know, for me, they kind of worked. They weren't perfect. Some of my clients get really great results from them. Many of my clients do not, and they have to move on to other types of treatment. For me, I just wanted to stop treatment. I really wanted to concentrate on my clients rather than myself. Uh, I put, you know, I, I don't put myself first usually. So I ended up representing myself. I, I, I settled my own case it was fine. I felt it was very fair for, you know, under New York law, you know, I may or may not have sustained a serious injury in the, in the state of New York. So I think I settled my case very fairly and, you know, it was fine, but I'm still dealing with the effects of the nerve damage to my foot. And, um, yeah, I still, you know, have numbness and tingling in the big toe and I live with it. It's fine. You know, and I have to stretch my back out, but I did treat for over a over a year, almost two years. Yeah. Which becomes a full-time job. It really does become a second full-time job. And I really understood you, you asked me, you know, what my perspective was. This accident gave me a perspective like not many other personal injury attorneys have, because I understand the victimization, the feeling of victimization between the accident, between the insurance companies, Bombarding you with paper, bombarding you with, you know, wanting to see their IME doctors and also the treatment. Right. And if you're not getting results quickly enough, you're going to move on to a different type of treatment. You're going to try everything you possibly can that is considered medically necessary so that no fault coverage. I'm not sure you have that in uh, where you are and you do. Okay. We'll cover it. So I was going from provider to provider, just, you know, making sure that I was getting the most relief I could. And It takes a lot out of you. It really does. So I really do understand from the beginning of that accident to, to when I settled my case, I understand exactly what my clients go through so that when they call me and they feel victimized, I can empathize with them and I can virtually hold their hand and say, I've been where you are and I get it. I get it. You're pissed off. I was pissed off too. And you have every right to be pissed off and you have every right to feel like a victim. And I'm going to do everything I can for you to, to relieve that feeling by getting you the compensation you deserve because that, that whole, and I always, and I, and I assure my clients that once their case is settled or resolved by, by verdict or by arbitration decision, that feeling of victimhood is going to lift. And it does, it does. I, oh, I, I normally get a response from my clients. You know what? You're right that feeling, I feel a huge burden off my shoulders now when their case resolves. Yeah, it really is. It really is. I
0: love that you have that perspective though. I mean, that has to be just absolutely helpful to your clients because I mean, you just, I mean, you really understand fundamentally what they are going through. I mean, just month by month as they're navigating their injuries and I think you're so apt I used to do insurance defense litigation so obviously you know on the other side of this I like oh we can can have a whole podcast on that (laughs) Totally, I was like oh they don't need this like what is this but um yeah I mean there were times that you'd go to a deposition and I remember you know people walking in and I would be like whoa (laughs) it was like Okay, this person is dealing with a lot of stuff, but it doesn't come through in the paperwork. Do you know what I mean? And there were many people who I would see in person in some context in the litigation. And I would go back and be like, we need to rethink our settlement position because I'm like, this person is going to show up in court and they are quite sympathetic. And I was like, and
1: we are not so sympathetic. (laughs) <laughs> right, right. Yeah, you become jaded. I mean, I I was in insurance defense for years and I became very very jaded. And um oh, yeah. it's interesting because I have that perspective as well where, totally. you know, I'll be talking to a claim handler and I'm very nice to them. I really am. I'm I'm not one of these attorneys that you see on TV who's yelling into the phone. It that doesn't work. It really not for me anyway. It doesn't and um, I'll talk to them, and I'll I'll get it. I'll get what's on their desk. I get that they're under a lot of pressure, and that they have to oh, answer yeah. to five levels of uh, you know of management above them, and oh. uh, they have to do everything a certain way. And you know, we eventually get to a resolution. But you know, I get what their challenges are as well, and uh, it it helps my it, it really does help my clients because I can have a I can have an hour conversation with a claim handler understanding, you know, understanding them and it works to my client's benefit that I do that.
0: Absolutely. I mean, you, you know, I mean, based on your work in insurance defense, I mean, if the plaintiff's attorney is actually kind and cooperative and like a decent human, they're Mm -hmm. not going to, you know, put your file and lose it on the copy machine. Like they're actually going to want to
1: help you. (laughs) you I agree. I I I believe that. I really oh, do believe that time. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I mean,
0: we used to, you know, do a lot of travelers work. And I mean, there were definitely oh. times when the plane <laughs> person would call. And I mean, you know, we were both just like, yeah, that person can <laughs> wait, like, you know, and I'll um, tell you travelers, travelers
1: was the best travelers, was oh, the best yeah. company that I ever worked for. Yeah, Yeah, I won't go back to, I won't go back to the insurance world, but they were the best.
0: (laughs) Yeah, they were awesome to work with. I felt Mm -hmm. like, I mean, they would really listen, you know, when you would say, yeah, we got to settle this. Like, this is not the time for us to play hardball, you know, and they would hear you out and you could help them understand like why, whereas sometimes we had other people we worked with that were not so friendly. And they were just like, we are trying every single case. We are not setting a precedent of settling. (laughs) And I'm like, excuse me, we're going to try this. Really? And they'd be like, I don't care what you lose. Like we are trying it. (laughs) okay. So,
1: but it's my name on the paperwork. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, that was, it was definitely interesting. I mean, I have to say, I hearken back to my, you know, insurance defense days when I listen to lawyers, they'll be like, my billable hourly requirement is 1200 a year. And I'm like, mine was 2400. Like, I don't know wow. what you're complaining about. <laughs> but, I mean, so different. I mean, just I think times have just changed dramatically.
1: Definitely. But, definitely. I, I was in-house, so I didn't no, have to. Oh, yeah. <laughs> a little different. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I mean, it was it was always
0: very north of 2000. And wow. it was just, you know, you were constantly, I mean, you know, you the idea of PTO and time off was like, well, that's a cute idea and everything, but I still have to work. <laughs> so I right. might be somewhere else, but I'm bringing my <laughs> box of of work with me, you know, because, yeah, it was oh, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> well, you mentioned in this, you mentioned about, you know, something that I think a lot of us moms would probably agree with. We don't always put ourselves first. Mm. I would love to hear what are some of your self-care practices? I mean, what have you learned through the years? Because, I mean, you and I definitely are of a, a generation where, I mean, we are, you know, can really help younger moms too yes. like i'm really frank about learning from my mistakes and i mean mm-hmm. i have not put self care as a priority i was billing 2400 hours and raising a huge pile of children <laughs>
1: like self care <laughs> was not
0: really at the top of my list and if I could go back and do it again, there are some things I would do different. I would love to hear what do you think about self-care and what have you done or what have you
1: learned? Uh, I'm still not the best at it, I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I think I started listening to my body a little bit more as I get older. You know, when I was younger, I was, you know, I didn't go to the doctor as much. I didn't take care of myself as, as, I, as much as I should. So, you know, I routinely go for the colonoscopy. I routinely go for the mammogram. That's so important. Uh, You know, the dentist, you know, you hear, you hear about, you know, if you don't go to the dentist, that can affect your heart. So listen, I'm trying to live as long as possible, you know, so I'm going to take care of the teeth. You know, I'm not big on, you know, getting my nails done. I'm not big on anything like that. I nap a lot, believe it or not. (laughs) (laughs) I love love my siesta. Uh, (laughs) Oh.
0: I think naps are like the greatest version of self-care. I'm a huge nap fan. <laughs> oh, <good. laughs> I actually, I actually call crazy. them stress naps though. Like I actually started it. I mean, it's a little, a few years ago, we had one of my son's best friends was killed in a motorcycle accident, you know, a young person. And it just rocked me. I did not realize just how much I would be rocked by this death of this, you know, friend of our family. And it like, there was a couple of months there that I was, it was a mess. Like I would just start crying, just, you know, really struggling. And I did a lot to help the mom in that deal with the, the lawsuit, all this kind of stuff. So I was involved in the gruesome details kind of of the accident for a while. And I think it was really taking a toll. And I really realized that I just sometimes just needed to shut it all down. Like I needed to go to sleep and I would just Curl up. I mean, sometimes just for 20 or 30 minutes. Yes. But just, I mean, shut it all down. And then I would wake up and I was completely fine. It was kind of a strange thing. But it is for years now been the thing that I will do. I will just if I find myself. Not at my best mindset, like maybe I'm getting anxious about something or my brain is kind of spinning, you know, where I feel like I'm not making my wisest decision or I'm not being introspective. I'll just purposefully, I'm like, okay, you're going to go take a little nap and you're going to shut yep. it all down. And then, absolutely, I find absolutely. it absolutely, I have not met
1: another napper. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> We have a lot in common. We have to yes. get together in real life. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, other self-care. I've tried meditating. Doesn't, uh, you know, you try, you practice. I have no patience for it. I really don't. I'm not a patient person. So, you know, I find things that I enjoy. So I enjoy cooking and cooking has become a meditation. Oh. So, yeah. So I focus on the cooking and I make something delicious and, you know, the, 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 the response I get from, you know, my family eating something good. I, I love that. So I, you know, I eat that up, quote unquote, I eat that up. Uh, but as far you know, it's, it's just the basics. It's listening to your body. That's really right. the most important thing is to not ignore what's going on with your body. I, I mean, if I could impart any advice to young moms, that's it. You know, you, you, your children and your family are a priority and your, and your career, especially if you're a young lawyer, it, your career is very important. But you've got to be healthy in order to be successful, what, however you define success. So you've got to make sure that you're doing things that keep you healthy and listen to your body. I think that now is if I could so just, great advice. Now yeah, you just have I, to do it. <laughs> yeah and and not only yes exactly and I have to start exercising and my my husband every day you got to start exercising Gina yeah so that I that's something that I have to do as well but you know I'm allergic yeah. to it <laughs> I know. It's hard to
0: get into it. I had years where I was totally into it. I used to run every day and I loved it. It was like my outlet was to go running. And then I hurt my ankle and it's been really hard ever since to get back into it. And it's so easy to just be like, well, I've got other things to do. And, yeah, I've, I've, you know,
1: I have some legal research to do, or I have to meet with a client or I have a court appearance that I have to prep for. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, I'd rather do that. that. And that's where we get into this, you know, you run down and, you know, you, your health isn't optimal and then you can't help the people who need you. Right. And and I want to be there for people who need me, whether it's professionally or personally. So absolutely. Yeah. yeah
0: I, I think listening to your body is so important. And in my mind, that not only includes those physical cues, but the mental cues as well. Yes. Like if you are feeling really burned out or stressed or your heart is really heavy for whatever reason. Give yourself some grace and some space. And because I think we do as, I mean, I know we do as moms and I think we do as lawyers, as well. We just kind of put our nose down and soldier on all the time. And I sometimes think we have to let ourselves really feel some of the emotions of our lives because, I mean, it's busy. It's a busy yeah. life. And I think that I know I have not been good. I'm that person that's like, oh, I'll be sad later. Like, I'll just shove that down and just, you know, <laughs> off I go to take care of whomever I'm taking care of for the week. And, you know, but sometimes I think you have to stop. And I have found the older I've gotten, the more I don't know, maybe it's because I've been shoving stuff down for so long it a little bit bubbles up now. And I'm like, oh, mm. it's a real sad thing. Like, I need to stop and feel that emotion.
1: Yeah, there's nothing wrong with doing that. Yeah. It, it used to be that we, used, you know, we used to take that as a sign of weakness, but I don't yeah. think it is. I think it's a sign of strength where you allow yourself to feel that and then, okay, compartmentalize it. I felt it or right. however long you want to feel it for. There's no shame in that either. You do you, right? you know, for me, I'm more of a compartmentalization kind of person yeah. where, okay, I feel it now. I've got to move on. I know where it is if I have to get back to it, but I've got to move on. (laughs) Exactly.
0: Oh, my gosh. It has been so lovely talking to you. I am just thrilled to have you. Tell me where can the people who are listening to us, where can they find you? What's the
1: best way for them to reach out to you? Oh, sure. So I'm on Facebook. You know, I can be reached at uh, the law office of Gina Balil on Facebook or Instagram. I'm Gina by the Bay on Instagram. I also have my law firm on Instagram as well. But if anybody local wants to get in touch with me or, you know, just wants to, you know, kind of speak to me further about anything I spoke about today, you can call my office at 631-828-5552 or go to my website, GinaBalil.com, and you can reach me that way as well. I'm very accessible.
0: <laughs> well, I'm so, I'm just so grateful for your time today. And it is lovely, lovely chatting with you. I feel like you and I could just sit down in front of a fireplace, drinking hot cocoa, and just lovely. Oh, come on, glass of wine.
1: Come on, hot cocoa. <laughs> we'll start with wine. We'll move to hot cocoa. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> okay, <laughs> Well, I hope great you being enjoy, here.
0: yes, you as well. And I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. And I love watching your adventures with your mom. So keep showing me because it's, it's really fun to see her move back
1: and y'all get all settled in. Thank you so much. It was great being here.
0: Yeah, thank you. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Maximum Mom Podcast, a production of Maximum Lawyer Media. Be sure to subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. See you next time.